0: Hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Data Unchained. I'm your host, Molly Presley. If you haven't heard our podcast before or need a little refresher, let me tell you a little bit about what Data Unchained is all about. Over the last couple of decades, the access methods, where data has been created, and how people want to use data has changed dramatically. We've had the advent of cloud computing, which moved workloads out of the data center into the cloud. There's been a massive um, movement towards data being generated at the edge. And now in the world of AI, folks are wanting to use all of this data to drive insights, make decisions, become more efficient. And technologies are needed to help customers meet these goals. Data Unchained delves into both the problems as well as the solutions in this distributed data world. Um, We haven't had David Flynn on for a while. David, thank you for joining.
1: Hi, Molly. I'm glad to be here.
0: Uh, David is the founder and CEO of Hammerspace and previous founder and CEO of Fusion.io. So, David, you've been part of the problem of decentralized data, as well as the solution of how we're bringing it together um, in in your various ventures in in technology. Um, Great to have you on. So today is a big day at Hammerspace. You've announced a pretty massive New category of product architectures. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what led to the decision to really found a new um, category of NAS technologies?
1: Originally, we had uh, single system NAS or scale up NAS uh, and then scale out NAS, but these have had limits in their scalability. You can scale capacity very well, but frankly, they don't scale performance beyond maybe a couple of dozen nodes. Um, so we felt that in the modern era, we needed to make uh, file-based storage or NAS much, much more scalable. Um, as we saw in the introduction of cloud and object-based storage, uh, kind of an admission that file storage isn't able to go to the cloud scale that's needed uh, that you would introduce you know, a dumbed down file system, S3 or super simple storage to try to get uh, uh, the ability to uh, scale uh, unstructured data. But that is a cop out. You're giving up all the benefits of having a real file system. So I think the industry has been in need of, of uh, better scalability in file storage for quite a while now.
0: And when you talk about scalability, are you talking about more petabytes of data in a single file system or does it go beyond that?
1: It it goes beyond that. Scaling capacity is relatively easy. What we're talking about here is scaling performance and not just uh, bandwidth uh, and IOPS, uh, but having uh, very low latency as well. These are very difficult things uh, to, to scale and typically scale out NAS architectures maybe can scale to a dozen or two dozen nodes before additional nodes don't really buy you any additional performance.
0: Both you and I have worked in the supercomputing space and various um, components of of that technology for decades. Why not just lean on parallel file systems and lusters and GPFSs out there?
1: Well, the fact that those exist and have any footprint at all is kind of an admission of the failure of uh, the traditional NAS industry to address uh, sufficient performance and scalability. We have these call them exotic file systems like, uh, Luster, uh, or, uh, IBM GPFS. Um, uh, now I guess they call it spectrum scale or, um, you know, even StoreNext, or, you know, if you want something even, uh, less mature and more recent, something like Weka. the reason why these file systems exist is because, um, the traditional NAS protocols, um, uh, in they don't allow you to have uh, true linear performance scalability. Um, and the, they get used in places where application performance is uh, paramount uh, in the HPC environment. You don't want those systems sitting idle waiting for data. And so it's kind of the trade-off spend engineering Time and effort to deploy and manage these exotic file systems so as to save application runtime and get better utilization of the hardware. But there's really those two different worlds the exotic parallel file system world of the supercomputer and traditional NAS and scale out NAS world. And, you know, never the twain shall meet. There's never been something that really brings together the performance of one and the, uh, convenience, and feature set uh, standards-based nature of NAS.
0: So never the twain shall meet until today, I think is fair (laughs) to say. (laughs) Um, Um, Until today. So tell us a little bit about how is Hyperscale NAS bringing those two technologies together. Tell us a little bit about the architecture.
1: So Hyperscale NAS actually takes the architecture of the parallel file system from the supercomputing world and uh, brings that into a standards-based NFS world so we um, what has really made creating hyperscale nas possible is the fact that Linux won the OS Wars and in the data center it's the only OS that matters from a performance and scalability perspective now why does that matter here because to build these, high performance supercomputer class parallel file system it requires a much more intelligent client. The client stack is and that's the Achilles heel of those exotic file systems. You have to install that client and you have to maintain it. It goes deep down in the kernel and so it 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 um, can compromise the supportability of your kernel and so forth um, but you need a a, a more intelligent client. Uh, to offload the data routing task. And Linux now having won the OS wars means that we can make that investment. So the reason why is it now possible is because Linux is the only client that really matters. Yes, as NAS, we need to support not just legacy NFS as well as this uh, high-performance parallel, uh, but we also need to support SMB and the entire feature set and rich world of, of enterprise NAS, which which we do, which Hyperscale NAS does. But we want to bring this more intelligent client in. And this is where Hammerspace specifically has been able to do this, thanks to our CTO being the author of the client in Linux. He's the kernel maintainer of the NFS client and has been for the past 20 years. So that code is mostly his at this point. Um, and that's allowed us to enhance uh, the client. And the standard so that regular NFS off the shelf built into Linux is capable of this much more sophisticated um, functioning. And what that functioning allows us to do basically is eliminate a whole entire layer of um, gateway nodes. Scale out NAS, you have gateway nodes that redistribute the data across the storage nodes. Uh, so, those front end protocol nodes and the back end storage nodes. In Isilon, you had, they were early in using InfiniBand to try to get that internal network between the front end nodes and the back end nodes to be fast enough. And with uh, more modern incarnation like Vast, they're using NVMe over fabrics. At, and the fabric, again, it's like an InfiniBand thing there. But that um, really, belies the fact that you have to have two layers you have front-end nodes and back-end nodes and the reason you have to do that is because you don't have a sophisticated enough client with peril nfs with hyperscale nas the client can route the data directly to the back-end storage you don't need that intermediary layer which gets rid of two-thirds of the networking that's necessary because you don't have to have a, a bump in the wire with the gateway nodes So it's it's a radical difference in performance and scalability, a a radical difference in the cost structure, especially if you're going software-defined. You don't want to have to have two layers of of boxes and the networking in and out to go through the middle there.
0: So I know that Hammerspace announced a variety of customers today that are using this technology for their storage environment as part of the Hammerspace global data environment. Um, I think the name can be... Make it imply as though this is only for the very large, but I think it's worth Hmm. emphasizing customers with just a few nodes all the way up to very massive environments will get the benefits of hyperscale NAS because the architecture is designed, like you said, linearly scalable, whether you want to save money and be fast and have enterprise data services for your 100 terabytes or your 100 petabytes, this is super relevant to you. Would you say that's a fair statement?
1: Yeah, hyperscalability also means it can scale down to just a few nodes and be much more efficient uh, with delivering that performance um, and scale up to the hundreds of nodes. So it's the dynamic range that matters. And with a hyperscale NAS architecture, it's actually more cost efficient at both the scale down and the scale up side of the spectrum. Because you don't need that intermediary layer, it makes it, you know, if I'm just a couple of nodes, at least now they're they're adding performance instead of just being a bump in the wire.
0: I know that this architecture was proven out at pretty massive scale with one of Hammer Spaces customers, which we're not allowed to use their name externally, but a hyperscaler um, that's been using it now for, gosh, almost a year um, as they've been doing development and going into production. Can you tell us a little bit about that environment and what kind of results they're achieving?
1: Well what's interesting here is you have a company that comes from the web scale heritage, where um you know they'll spend any amount of engineering time to reduce cost. And so uh, and they have very large homogenous applications. So they typically build their own object store or blob store and customize the applications to use that. But with AI workloads, you need a more general-purpose file system for home directories and holding massive data sets and for the very um, uh, diverse workflows that you have with AI, so they found themselves uh, needing to have a a true uh, feature rich file system to perform a lot of this AI work, and with the ability for that file system to feed data in parallel. Um, so that's where HammerSpace and hyperscale NAS came in, and the beauty of this is it helped us to prove out at scale uh, what Hyperscale NAS can do, and in their case, they have clusters at six hundred nodes, even eight hundred nodes. Uh, they expect to go to over a thousand nodes. Those are the storage nodes. Each one of those with hundred gigabit Ethernet. In the future, those are going to be two hundred gigabit Ethernet. But even as it stands now, you're talking about, uh, you know, multiple clusters at eight hundred nodes. It's eighty terabits per second. I mean, some of the RFPs for supercomputers going in at Los Alamos or Lawrence Berkeley National Labs call for an IO subsystem that can maybe do, um, you know, 10 uh, to 20 uh, terabytes per second or 80 to 160 terabits per second. And we're already pushing that scale uh, here um, and, uh, and growing. So this really can rival the hero class supercomputer uh, file systems like you might see with, say, a Lustre or a GPFS. But in this case, it's standards-based and built into Linux.
0: So let's just kind of run down a few of the benefits for folks who are listening. And probably everyone who listens to the show has running a NAS in their environment. Probably a few different types of NAS would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about performance a little bit. You mentioned Los Alamos National Labs. and. You did a webinar with Gary Greider a few months ago where there was a neat little comparison about the number of file systems that they have at Los Alamos to meet their different needs. How does Hyperscale NAS simplify the number of file systems while delivering the types of performance they need on mixed I.O., throughput, metadata, etc.?
1: Well, almost all of these organizations have NAS. Uh, but they also have to have these exotic file systems, and they have workflows where they have to copy the stuff from the one into the other so they can feed it into the into the hpc cluster so by having a nas environment that is performance enough to directly feed the cluster, it greatly simplifies those workflows um, so uh, and the cost structure of the entire thing so you know there there's huge benefit in being able to deliver the data at scale and at performance uh, directly from your enterprise, feature-rich, highly reliable NAS environment. Because NAS is kind of what everybody has to have because that's what we trust to uh, protect our data over the long term. But they have to bolt on front of it something to amplify the performance and copy data into it, and that's this Lustre or GPFS or one of these exotic file systems where data is really only trusted to temporarily hold the data while you're feeding it. So we get rid of that whole thing. I liked how Gary Greider put it as it's many file systems in one. I like to think of it as just building a file system that's capable of the full gambit, and then you don't need um, to have uh, these others. And as we saw with our recent announcement on tape, being able to embrace the very deep capacity into the spectrum from within the same file system is actually very powerful as well, because it's about that dynamic range.
0: Makes sense. And I know that you're announcing as part of this... um, Today's announcement that you've been certified with the NVIDIA GPU Direct. How important is that to the Hyperscale NAS architecture?
1: It's incredibly important to be able to use RDMA and direct data paths. It's all about reducing the number of times data has to be retransmitted. GPU Direct is about getting it off the wire into the GPU without having to go through the, the root uh, um processor complex in memory you don't have to put it into memory just to take it out to put it in the gpu's memory hyperscale nas similarly avoids the data having to be copied through a front-end node a protocol node that you would see in a scale-out NAS architecture. So th- the fact that you even have things like NVMe over fabrics or that you used InfiniBand inside of the Isilon, those are admissions that you have have this data retransmission problem. In our world, you don't have that, and the data can go directly from the storage node to the client in one hop and from the client get into the GPU using GPU Direct. Uh, so it really does eliminate a lot of the networking it, it eliminates two-thirds of the number of network ports that you need uh, to deliver a certain bandwidth of data i mean the the, the cost difference between hyperscale nas and scale out nas is dramatic um, just because of the amount of hardware gear that you get rid of because we've made a more intelligent client
0: So the efficiency comes from, like you said, a reduction in the amount of networking ports and infrastructure you need, the number of nodes that you, or the amount of hardware you have because you're eliminating a lot of the storage infrastructure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the efficiency also on the IT side. So you collapse a bunch of file systems into one. Um, How how does this all work? So you're saying it's just one file system to rule them all. How does that help IT?
1: Well, the beauty is, It's just NFS, so it comes built in. So while I talk about a more intelligent client, it's also been in Linux since RHEL 7. So we laid the groundwork for this many years ago by pushing the standard and the implementation uh, upstream into Linux. So from an IT perspective, this is, um, uh, like NAS, uh, about as plug-and-play as you can get. It'll work on standard Ethernet networks, Yes, it can also work on RDMA-capable networks and fabrics, that's true, uh, but it's plug-and-play, it's got the rich feature set that you would expect from the NAS environment, like your snapshots and your clones, the other data services that help users uh, avoid accidents and damaging their data. Um, So a very powerful set of features uh, for it. And what all of this boils down to, ease of use, uh, reduced amount of uh administrator overhead. Um, you know, managing a GPFS or a Luster environment or a WEC environment, that I mean, you, you got to hire engineers for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, David, when you think about enterprise NAS, I think what that means for most IT teams is a very locked down and hardened environment related to security, data protection policies, ransomware. Um, how well, IT teams accomplish that with Hyperscale NAS. Are, have you built all of that into the technology as well?
1: That's right. All of the audit capabilities, all of the antivirus capabilities, you know, your convenience to uh, uh, snapshots and clones, things that help protect against even a user's own mistakes. The way I like to think of it is in the enterprise world, reducing risk is paramount. And risk of data loss, uh, of data theft, uh, risk of of somebody uh, damaging their own data sets, you know, these types of things. Enterprise NAS uh, is all about reducing risk. Whereas the world of HPC file systems was all about reducing runtime, reducing how long it takes to feed the data in and to get the data out. Um, And that is... Uh, so important that they would sacrifice other reliability. That's why data resilience and such is, you know, typically uh, not that great. The reliability of those file systems is not that great, uh, but the performance is stellar. So the the beauty of hyperscale NAS is you have the um, risk reduction of enterprise NAS, and you have the performance. Of the, um, of the HPC exotic file system world all rolled into
0: one. So I know a big messaging point is enterprise standard throughout all of this, and that's data services. It's using existing already approved Linux clients with the li- ver- version of Linux that's already running on it, um, enterprise standard hardware, Ethernet, InfiniBand. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how you support other storage technologies as part of this. So it's not just white box, yeah. but also it could run in front of a nice salon as well.
1: Well, and that's the benefit of this being part of Hammerspace and data orchestration is that uh, for Hammerspace, any traditional NAS is just another storage node in the parallel NAS in the, in the hyperscale NAS environment. So you can incorporate your existing NetApp gear, your existing Isilon gear, even, you know, third-party NAS systems, uh, uh, you know, open source or other. Those are just storage nodes, you know, and, and that indicates why you can just take Linux off the shelf and turn on its NFS server, and it's a storage node. So that was one of the things that uh, our... web scale partner found very compelling is that they could use their own linux both the linux as the client but as the storage nodes as well Uh, and that even opens the opportunity for their um for their compute nodes the nodes that hold the gpus to also participate as storage nodes in the storage cluster. Think of it as a hyper-converged model uh, to where the, the GPU uh, servers uh, hold storage space and they are all uh, sharing that to create a reliable storage fabric underneath the uh, underneath the jobs that are running. So hyperscale NAS also allows for a hyper-converged architecture because anything that speaks NFS is a storage node, your compute nodes can actually be storage nodes too.
0: Okay, so you've done a great job of not using the word AI yet, um, which is (laughs) unusual. Um, But I do want to talk about that for a minute. This web scale customer you're talking about is using us for AI. Um, Can you talk just a little bit about the use case?
1: Well, that's right. It was AI that kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back that forced them to need to use a real file system. You couldn't use object storage or their own custom blob store because the workflows are too diverse and you need a a general purpose um, uh, IO subsystem. You need to be able to do POSIX IO. So um, that's uh, both for data ingest into the cluster uh, and these are potentially months-long training jobs that incorporate Uh, thousands to even tens of thousands of GPUs uh, running for months at a time. You need to be able to do checkpoints because you're going to have hardware failures and you need to be able to roll back Um, or you need to be able to roll back. So you can try uh, changing the data you train on. If you uh, realize that, uh, that there are reasons to need to steer the training in another direction, you can go back in time and replay it. So all of this requires a, um, a data, platform that can do a very diverse set of of workloads with high performance, reading and writing, uh, very large file bandwidth as well as small file kind of stuff. One of the defining features of the AI world is that you have to have a very well-rounded set of performance, uh, unlike HPC, where it could be highly tuned to the specific kind of jobs you are running for, say, just bandwidth or just checkpointing or whatnot.
0: So using Hyperscale NAS to serve data to AI models, large language model training, that's awesome. There's also an evolving market of using AI and machine learning within products to make IT's job more efficient. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you use machine learning and use that built to automate some of the data services as well?
1: We use AI internally. Uh, to make the decisions about where to place data and when to move it across the various different storage nodes. So it's really kind of interesting that uh, hyperscale NAS can form uh, the foundation for these uh, models, for these foundation models for training. And it internally is using AI to predictively place and move data sets to to where they're going to be needed so that uh, you can operate on them fast enough. And this is what allows us to incorporate things all the way back to tape, uh, disks, and flash, and hyper-converged flash in the GPU servers. That's a very, very wide range of performance and locality of the data. And being able to move the data up and down uh, that hierarchy of latency Uh, needs to be able to be done predictively. And this is where service-level objectives and objective-based data orchestration come in. And at the heart of that is using a machine learning technique um, to uh,
0: uh,
1: make the decisions about placement and movement of data.
0: So this is a huge advancement in the storage industry, the data pipeline industry, using a lot of really... um, Interesting modern technologies, as well as building it into Linux, which has been, like you mentioned, something Tron's been working on, our CTO, for a couple of decades now. Um, But I think the benefit is pretty massive and pretty obvious that in today's world where AI is being commonplace and people want to use their data, not just store it. They need to power these GPU farms. Hyperscale NAS is a pretty urgent technology to get into the market.
1: Well, it's pretty, it's interesting that we're using AI to solve one of the biggest challenges with running AI workloads, and that's the uh, management and the feeding of the data set. And that allows us to accelerate the, uh, the cycle for it. And at the heart of all of this is the ability to put data movement behind the file system by having a file system that is Simultaneously capable of these extreme levels of very diverse performance, uh, but also capable of orchestration and moving data behind the scenes without interrupting the the view of the data. So hyperscale NAS and data orchestration uh, allow us to bring to bear this um, intelligence about the movement and placement of data, which is really to say that for the first time, we can automate some of the most manual error prone time consuming tasks that existed in the world of enterprise IT. And that's the uh, movement of data. Uh, We get rid of data migration. There is no such thing as data migration. There's no downtime. Data can simply move from one piece of infrastructure to another while you're still using it. So, It's funny, you know, data is the very definition of digital, and yet it has been desperately crying out for digital automation, how we manage our data. And for the first time with hyperscale NAS and data orchestration, we can automate the data janitorial work because it no longer interrupts the access, uh, the ongoing consumption of data to be moving it um, across different systems. And then add on top of that, the global file system capability, uh, the ability to have that same file system presented in multiple data centers, and now you really have the magic sauce for making AI workloads. Uh, You can feed data at the performance levels they need, you can move data up and down the cost capacity, cost performance spectrum, and you can do that in... Uh, different data centers simultaneously so that you can tap into GPU resources and other compute resources uh, in different places.
0: So this sounds like um, this kind of technology that's going to appeal to a lot of different verticals and markets and use cases. Are there any specific ones where you suspect that there will be the most adoption? Is this going to be in HPC or financial services, or do you expect it's just going to be across the Fortune 500 in, in general?
1: it's bringing together these two worlds. There's been a a lot of industries that have used scale out NAS and made do even with the lower performance. And so whether that's the media and entertainment world or, you know, bio and life sciences world or the chip design world or, um, You know, the uh, energy exploration, industrial design, you know, most of them have chosen when they had to pick their poison, they fell on the side of I'd rather have the risk reduction of enterprise NAS uh, versus the super high performance of these exotic file systems, but they no longer have that luxury of staying safely on their side of that of that void. Um, with ai we need to increase the performance levels even more and with the business cycle and competitiveness even to stay competitive there even for those traditional workloads not just the ai workloads they need higher performing more scalable file environments so i think we're going to see all of the traditional consumers of nas and scale out nas uh uh who have been needing more performance, those are going to be very big uh, industries. And then you have the HPC world where they all of a sudden need to have a more general purpose file system uh, and one that can better manage risk uh, than these exotic parallel file systems. So they too are having to move outside of their traditional world of custom exotic file systems and go, to uh, something that's standards-based and can help them reduce the risk of working with, you know, data that could be highly sensitive personal data like we might be using for training AI models and move to file systems that can handle a broader range of performance than a specifically tuned parallel file system.
0: Well, David, um, congratulations on bringing such an innovative new technology into the market. I know it's been a lot of time and blood, sweat, energy, money, (laughs) etc. But I know even with all the success you've already seen with the technology, it's going to be game changing for the markets. Um, And thank you for taking time today. I'm sure you've been quite busy and it's a big announcement for Hammerspace.
1: Well, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. And anyone who wants to learn more, um, go to the Hammerspace.com website and you'll be able to find a lot of information about customers, technology, analyst takes, performance benchmarks, et cetera. So whatever it is you're looking for, jump over to the Hammerspace.com website and I'm sure you'll find it there. Thank you for joining and thanks for being here, David. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at